Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. We're going to continue off, continue on with a message that I began last week. It started in Genesis chapter 2. If you're looking for a title of the message, not that you were, but it would be three questions and two trees. We're going to go back to the Garden of Eden. Take me back. Is that the song? Back to the Garden of Eden. At a moment that wasn't really a great moment for Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve made a pretty big mistake. On the back of the mistake that Adam and Eve made, God asked them three very specific questions questions. And these questions are pretty relevant for us today because I think the things that he was asking Adam and Eve reveal his heart towards all of mankind. And their questions that still reverberate through and echo through humanity even to the day that we're living in today. So we're going to read again in Genesis chapter 2. We've got it on the screens if you didn't bring your Bibles. Um, But Genesis chapter 2 and we'll begin in verse 8. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's your two trees, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There were lots of other trees, but these were the two specific trees that God named. Verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. What trees could he eat from? Any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Look over in Genesis chapter 3. We'll we'll start in verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the, tree, from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. I'm going to do another message another day. Sidetrack. Keep note of this. How did Eve know what God said? Who did God tell? How did Eve know what God said? Adam told Eve. You notice how she added a line there? You must not even touch it. That's not what God told Adam. So somewhere in the interpretation, Adam told Eve something different to what God said. Just saying, guys, how you communicate to your wives are pretty important sometimes. Thank God we can all hear from God ourselves. We don't have to hear from God through our spouse. Even though our spouses are much more holy and biblical and theologically sound than we are. And outspoken, but we'll... 
Let's reel this one back in, shall we? When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to the man, first question, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Second question, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? Third question. I know it's the fourth question, but for this is the third question. And this woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Father, we thank you for your word. And I thank you that it will come back empty. So Lord, I pray this morning as we gather around your word, that my words would actually be your words, not just my own. I pray that you'd help me this morning to communicate your heart to us, the heart of a father who's not walking to the garden waiting to strike with lightning bolts, but the father who comes walking through the garden to help us find him because he's not lost, we are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Last week we talked about this first question, where are you? That God comes walking through him and says, where are you? And we mentioned that God doesn't ask questions because he doesn't know the answer. Right? Parents, you'll ask questions of your kids that you already know the answers to. He's asking him these questions for some very specific reasons. God knew where Adam was. Adam did not know where Adam was. There was no sin. God didn't create sin when he created the garden. So there was no sin in the garden. Adam was in a place he was unfamiliar with. Because it's not our natural state. It's not where we're supposed to be, to be living in sin, affected by sin, and then hiding from God. It's not the way we were designed. So when you're living in sin, and you're hiding from God, it's not the way you're wired. It's working against the God nature that's in you. It is human nature, but it's not the God nature that's inside of you. And the problem is when we hide from God is we think God's hiding from us. God, I haven't heard you in a while. Everybody else hears your voice. Why are you hiding from me? I mentioned how one of the common prayers David prayed was, Lord, don't hide your face from me. Because there's something about either living in sin or there's something about the attacks of the enemy that make you feel like God's not responding, God's hiding. God's like, I'm right here. He'll come walk in the garden of your heart in the cool of the day. The garden is us, it's our heart. And He will walk with you and say, hey, where are you? It's another way of Him saying, I'm right here. God isn't coming and sneaking in the garden waiting for Adam to come by so he can jump up. Ha ha, you sinned! He's right out in plain view. Hey Adam, where are you? 
I pray that our heart responds to the loving invitation of the Father that wants to draw us back into the intimate relationship that He designed us for. That we would realize that either the affliction we're suffering because of the enemy's work on us or in us, or as the results of our own sin and reaping the fruit of our own sin, doesn't put us in a place where we think God's hiding from us. He's not. He loves you very much. Very much. God had created this perfect environment for Adam and Eve. Absolutely perfect. There's nothing they needed. It didn't even rain. Like, water would just come up out of the ground and water all all the plants. It's just, oh, perfect fruit, ripe the whole time. Look at that. Oh, there's some more over there. It just, it was this perfect environment. 75 degrees, 20% humidity, (laughs) no clouds, no sunburn. How many know they thank goodness for that? Because how many think sunburn came with the curse? If you're naked, you probably don't want to get sunburned. He created this perfect environment for them. He, we see that God would walk with Adam and Eve every day. Like just, I, my family does this sometimes. We don't do it as much as we used to, but we had family walks where we just after dinner, we go walk around the neighborhood. They had the best family times. Just no phones. If it's a really good walk, no dogs. <laughs> we have three Yorkies. Any of I've walked dogs like this, you know, and it's kind of nice because after about half a block, they all twist around each other, and so they have to walk like this the rest of the way. <laughs> so it actually works out pretty good. <laughs> but he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. He just wants to be with them. So Adam and Eve aren't like waiting for God to show up so they can give them their list of all the things they need. They didn't have any need. They just enjoyed the relationship. And his voice, the voice of the Father was always there to comfort, to guide, to instruct, to direct. So if there's ever anything that Adam didn't know, and boy, there was a lot, God would say, oh yeah, that's, that's like this. Hey God, how do you, what do you think, Lord, if I mix these two fruits together to make a fruit salad? And he's like, oh, I'll try some basil in that. That'd be good. It's in the mint family. It actually works really well with that. And put it all together. And like it's just this relationship where his, it's not where God just shows up in the big moments of, I have called you. It's just the little stuff, just the, the intimate relationship, just the little guiding and directing all the time. There's nothing like a father's voice. There's nothing like the moments when I would get lost at Bush Gardens. And I think my parents were lost, but I just followed something around. I'm like, you ever had that moment as a kid and you suddenly realize you're lost? And you're like, oh no. I thought I knew on my way around Bush Gardens and now I've got no idea where I am. And everybody looks strange and everybody looks dangerous. And then I hear, Clayton! That's my dad's voice. There's no more comforting sound to hear than the sound of your own father to know, oh, I'm not lost because dad knows where I am. He will find me wherever I am. And so if I can just begin to cry out to him, but try to look tough and cool while I'm doing it, I'm over here, dad. 
that I'm right back where I was before. There's nothing like the sound of Dad's voice. My prayer for you is that you would hear the voice of our Father. But the problem for Adam and Eve was that there was another voice in the garden. There was something other than just Dad's voice. And it was the voice of this serpent. Huh. Anybody else think it's funny that the snake talked and they just talked back to it like it was nothing? It's like Balaam and the donkey. The donkey talks to Balaam and he just talks back like it's normal. What's wrong with these people? So anyway, you should read the Bible like I do because it's like, what is... Am I the weird one? Or are they weird? It's probably me. The serpent speaks back. Did God really say... You're not supposed to eat any of the fruit of this garden from any tree. There's another voice. When God confronts Adam and Eve, He asks them, Who told you you were naked? Because that's not my voice. What He's asking them is, Who else have you been listening to? You know my voice. We've been walking together. But the fact that you just said something that does not line up with your DNA that I've put inside of you. When I wired you, I pre-wired you to be in relationship with me, to be connected with me, to listen to, follow, and walk with me because you hear my voice. But yet something came out of your mouth that did not come out of mine. So I want to know who have you been listening to? When the words that you speak are not the words that I've spoken to you, you've been listening to somebody else. And now all you're doing is repeating the things that someone else has spoken to you. Do you know that sometimes when people spew venom at you, you just got to go, that doesn't sound like the Father. Jesus actually said, when that happens, it's the devil that's your father, not Abraham. That's what he told the Pharisees. Ooh, that was a tough one. When people say lies about you, and they know that they're lies, and yet the enemy is called the father of lies, that makes them a son and a daughter of the devil. That's harsh, I know. Sorry. But repeated lies are just Kind of showing your indication of your lineage. And I know whose son that I am. So I'm not going to let other people's repeated lies to me keep me from hearing my dad's voice. Who told you you were naked? Who have you been listening to? Again, God asked the question. He already knew the answer. Okay? He's not asking a question he doesn't know the answer to. He knows who they've been listening to. The serpent, by the way, is the devil. It is Satan. It's not just snakes. Snakes are not inherently evil. Anybody love snakes? Yeah, y'all are weird too. I'm sorry. Do you really? Do you guys have a pet snake, don't you? Wow. Who's got the snake? Whose snake is it? It's just a family snake. I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Snakes are not inherently evil. They just look like they are. So do bats, devil birds. They're just weird. 
Yorkies, they all fit in the same category. <laughs> She's going to start posting pictures of me with our dog, so I better stop. <laughs> so there's an enemy in the garden. When God's asking the question, who told you, he knew who told him. The problem is, Adam and Eve didn't realize that the one who had spoken to it is an enemy. Because the serpent didn't go, hey, my role here is to steal, kill, and destroy you because God loves you and you give him your worship. I wanted that worship and I can't get him, so I'm going to steal, kill, and destroy that which he loves. And maybe if I destroy that which he loves, I'll hurt him because I want the worship he's supposed to get. And if I can get you to worship me, that's even better than me killing you because then I really do rob him of something that only he's worthy to get. That wasn't his calling card. He didn't come to Adam and tell him all that. He just said, did God really say? Did he really say? But God knew what was behind the question. Adam and Eve didn't realize, hey, that one that's been whispering to you, that's your enemy. He's not your friend. He's not trying to get you to see things from a different perspective. He's your enemy. And he has one thing in mind, and it's your destruction. Who told you you were naked? There's always, this is the hard part about this story, I'll be honest with you. There's always another voice in your garden. There's always going to be another voice that has something a little bit different to what God said. Because the enemy didn't come in and go, don't listen to God, do what you want, you're your own person. He's craftier than that. He just said the same thing God said with a little twist. And he put the question in their head. It wasn't until after they, the enemy questioned whether Eve had heard from God right, that Eve even noticed the other tree. It wasn't until the question got seated in her brain that she looked and said, you know what, that is pleasing to the eye and good for food. Huh, never noticed that before. But now she's noticing something that she used to just walk past and not even pay attention to. There's always another voice in the garden. The voice that says, God says, wait for the right person to marry. Make sure they love Jesus more than they love you. And the enemy goes, yeah, but you got needs. And there's an app for that. When God says sex before marriage is out of bounds, and the enemy goes, but God will forgive you, right? Go ahead. But God, I need to know everything everybody else is saying about everything so I can speak out against what's wrong in this world. So I got to keep up on all the lies that are being told. And God's going, but I said to meditate on my word day and night. Joshua 1.8. You don't know what lies are by studying lies. You know what lies are by studying truth. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. By the way, that word know, you will know the truth and truth will set you free, 
is epignosis. It's an experiential knowledge. It means that you will experience truth, and that experience of truth will set you free. You don't experience truth by studying a book. You're experiencing truth by having His Spirit in you, guiding you into all truth. It's experientially knowing the Word. It's having a relationship with Jesus. It involves a surrendered heart. It does involve Bible study, but it's not just the words on a page. It's Spirit-filled Bible study where God illuminates His Word to you. You will know the truth, and the truth sets you free. So, why are there these two voices in the garden? It's not fair. Come on, God. Couldn't you have just told Satan he's got to stay outside of the garden? Like, go, go outside the garden and, and do what you want outside there, but the garden, this is heaven. You can't come in here. Why are there two voices? Do you ever wonder that stuff? Life would have been so much easier had the serpent never showed up and said that. Life would have been so easy if that person hadn't come into my life. But yet, what is it? Why? Why are there two voices? Well, if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, because Jesus actually explains this a little bit. It's called the parable of the weeds. Boy, do I hate weeds. They are banned from my yard. In the name of Jesus. Can you claim the blood of Jesus over your front lawn? <laughs> Matthew chapter 13. We're going to look at verse 24. Hopefully I gave you this. Oh, great. Thanks, Ryan. Jesus taught, this is a whole, all of Matthew 13 and 14 is Jesus talking about seeds, right? You guys are familiar with the one probably. If not, go back and read it. That there were four kinds of seeds. Some fell on the path. Some fell among thorns. Some fell in rocky places. Some fell in fertile soil. This story follows right off the back of that one, okay? It's a different story different parable with a different purpose to it, but it's all talking about weeds and seeds, okay? Chapter 13, verse 24. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field, but while everyone was sleeping, his, okay, his enemy came and sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? Please don't make the mistake of thinking that God sowed bad seeds in you. He can't. He doesn't have any. God looks in his bag of seeds and goes, I don't have any weeds in here. I, I, I lack the ability to sow a bad seed in your life because I don't have bad seeds. An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Interesting answer, isn't it? No. Don't pull up the weeds. I hand pull weeds in my lawn. No, he answered. Because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. Oh man, that's hard. First collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat 
and bring it into my barn. Jesus explains this parable a couple verses later. And he says to the disciples, because they don't always get it, the one who sowed good seed, that's your father, our heavenly father. And the good seed are his sons being sown into the world. That the The field is the world. The enemy is the devil. And the bad seeds are his sons being sown into the world. Which could end up being demonic spirits and anybody that's aligned themselves with the purpose of the enemy. Those are the seeds that have been sown into the field of the world. So there's weeds in our garden. And they're called sons of the evil one. For us, the context of that, if you consider the garden your own heart, there are seeds that have been sown into your heart from your enemy, the devil, and they're right alongside the good seed that God's sown into your heart. That doesn't line up with the way I want to think about God. I want to think about God that if I plant the right seed, then I will have no other bad seeds in my heart. I want to think about God that if He's doing this good work in me, then there's no possibility of me having a challenge with anything else in my own heart. Like if I give my heart to Jesus... I'm no longer going to lust. I'm no longer going to fear. I'm no longer going to deal with all these issues. It'll just automatically go away. And yet this very parable tells us that just as God sows his good seed, the enemy comes and sows a bad seed right next to it. That's kind of hard. Because I don't like weeds. And I think about this garden, and I wish I could spot select water places in my garden. Well, fine, there's weeds in my garden, then I'm only going to water the grass and not the weed. It's the funny thing about rain. Rain is not very selective. When rain falls, every seed gets watered. That means when the presence of God comes, on a place, comes into your heart, every seed gets watered. I, I, I can't, I'm having a hard time getting my head around this, but I can't deny what's in the Word. That when God's presence shows up in your life, the good seed and the bad seed can get watered. That means that as I increase in my intimacy, and my level of anointing and, and, and moving in the spiritual gifts and growing in this, the seed the enemy sowed grows right along with it. It doesn't take over. But God says, don't worry about it. Because it will get sorted out. But do not spend your life pulling weeds. Just keep staying in the water. Keep in the place of fertileness. Keep in the place where His presence and the rain comes on you. So when you're in the process of revival, when you're in this process of, God, everything that's in me that doesn't belong, if I need to forgive, I want to forgive. If I need to repent, I need to repent. Keep going. Do you know that I've found that as I've committed my heart to revival, 
I need to repent of more things. I wish it was like, I finally got that repentance thing done. Now can I just get in the strip stream of blessing with the big house and the big car and the big stuff and all that? You know what I mean? And, and it's like, not that that's what blessing is. I'm saying, and I'm like, the more I repent, the more I recognize my need for it. The rain waters both seeds. There's always two voices in your garden. And there's always two trees in your garden. Part of understanding what it means to walk with God is just to understand that there's always going to be another voice in your life. But if you recognize it as the voice of an enemy then you don't have to listen to it. You don't have to empower it because the only power a lie has over you is the degree to which you've believed it. If you believe a lie, you've empowered it. If you don't believe it, it has no power at all. When the enemy tries to mess with your identity and tell you, I don't care what God said, you're this. If I believe it, I am that thing. But if I say... I am not, I am a child of God, I am a son of God, then it stops. I have not empowered the lie in my life. I can't disempower the lie from your life. I can pray, Lord, anoint her, heal her, bless her, but if you believe the lie, I lack the authority to bring that into your life. You have to sever the agreement you've had with the lie. It's signing the contract. Talk to one of our lawyers. You can say, I never told him that. But when they go, I got a contract that you signed that says that. I don't care what you said. What matters is the contract you signed. At least that's what Judge Judy says. <laughs> when you agree with the enemy, you've empowered the lie. And you signed a contract that says, I am the thing that you said I am. But through the blood of Jesus, we get to tear up the contract and say, I, I disavow. I I no longer, I sever the agreement that I've had with the enemy and it's instantly canceled. Instantly canceled. Not because you did good things, but because of the blood of Jesus. He bore your contract, the stupid, anybody ever had a stupid contract they signed? Timeshare, cell phone plans, you're like, can I just get out of this? Well, Jesus put all those things on his body on the cross and gave us the authority to sever the agreements of the lies of the enemy that he's put over us. These weeds grow right alongside the beautiful work that God's doing in you. And they got sown at the same time that God is also sowing seeds in your life. So listen to me. Don't let the presence of weeds make you think that the good seed is not also producing a crop. You can have both. I'm not talking about I can still live a sinful life and God will still work in me. I'm saying... God can be doing this amazing work in me. I'm laying hands on the sick and they're being healed. I'm getting into the word. I'm discovering spiritual gifts. And yet I'm struggling with self-esteem. I'm struggling with my identity. You can have this moment over here where I'm getting all this breakthrough. And yet over here, you feel like you're the worst mom in the world. Where does that come from? Just go, oh, that was just a bad seed that got sowed right alongside. I'm not that. Do you know what the danger is of this one? The, 
I'm getting great breakthrough, I'm a terrible mom, is we can look for the answer to the terrible mom from people. Would somebody tell me I'm a good dad? I need you to tell me I'm a good dad. I need the voice of my father, not the voice of other people. Even well-intentioned. It's great to get encouragement, right? But if you are led by a pastor that constantly needs your encouragement, you're going to be in a bad way. If I live my life feeding off of your encouragement, you are not going to end up in a good place, and neither am I. But if I'm hearing the voice of the Father, by the way, do you know what voice of the Father I hear when I look at you? Not, you all should be encouraging me. I hear the voice of the Father saying, those are my sheep. They're my sheep. Love them. Love them how I do. Be gentle and love them. I wish, if there's a prayer I pray more than any other, it's God, can you, can you show them what, what, what you're showing me right now? Like when I look at them and I see how much you love them, can you show them what you, like can you show them in their heart with their spiritual eyes what you're showing me right now? That they are of infinite worth and value. That you don't value them because of what they do. You value them because they're your son and you love them. Please show them what you're showing me right now. Because my words can't do that. I, I can't communicate heart like he can impart. Those weeds are going to grow right alongside the good seed that's in you. Just because my garden has weeds doesn't mean the harvest is bad. Lord, my life is all over the place, but yet the sheep follow him because they know his voice. John 10. You want a chapter of the Bible to read all this week? Just read John 10 over and over and over again. His sheep follow him because they know his voice. Satan's voice questioned what God had said. But you don't have to listen to him. The weeds are lies. And this is the great news. The harvest reveals the lies. So when the harvest comes in, that's when angels, he says angels literally take them and go, okay, lies, truth. Sons of the devil, sons of God. And it takes all of the sons of the devil, all of the lies of the enemy that he's spoken over you, they bind it up, and they burn it. So every time I see a weed growing up next to me, every time I see the lie of the enemy, it's always when I get breakthrough. God, why is it that I just prayed for somebody that got healed of cancer and now my kids are sick? Why is it that we just saw somebody healed of COPD last week and then I break my foot? Because it's just a weed growing up, which those two things happened last week. Not when I tripped. Because there's always weeds that grow up next to the harvest. It's all right. The harvest will sort it out. It all gets sorted out in the end. Because the harvest reveals the lies. And I'm telling you, the fields are ripe for harvest. God, when are they going to realize that there's so many lies in our world about, about this, and there's lies about politics, and there's lies about COVID, and there's lies about blah, 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 blah. When are you going to... Stop pulling weeds. 
God, what are you saying in this season? What are you, I need to hear your voice. There's so much noise over here, God. What are you saying? I will meditate on your word day and night. I will speak out against the weeds, but I need to hear your voice more than anything else. The harvest reveals the lies. So for me, this past couple of weeks, I, uh, I talked to one of my professors at school, and I actually went through some inner healing. We spent about two and a half hours on a Zoom call. I am a very firm believer in inner healing. I think it is a, a vitally misunderstood and misused tool in the kingdom as part of our discipleship and development. Sometimes when you get stuck on something, you just need some inner healing, and God wants to heal deep, Right? But I realized that we were having some, some challenges in some of our arguments. We just kept getting stuck. I know it shocks you. We argue sometimes. But I was like, honey, I, I actually think, <laughs> it's actually the other way around. She's like, you need some inner healing. <laughs> She's right. And because we're in a covenantal relationship, she can tell me that. It's not like you have a problem, go get fixed. It's just like, hey, I've noticed some things. And she goes, I do too. I, I want to go get some of this myself. And so I talked to my professor, and in the process of working through some stuff, because sometimes you're like, I feel the weeds, but I don't know what the weed is. And I realize that there's still some rejection issues in me. And I'm like, everything in me is like, no, there's not. But then I was like, the Holy Spirit reveals it, and it's like, oh, but I realize it's just a weed that's growing up next to me. And if I empower the lie, it's like you have rejection issues, so you'll never whatever, or you, you understand what I'm saying? I don't want to empower the lie by letting it identify who I am. So I have dealt with that issue in the past. I thought it was dead, but now I realize it's actually affecting some of the things that are in our relationship. Oh, thank you, God, that's a weed. Well, I renounce. Every lie of the enemy spoken over me that I am not accepted, that I have been rejected by people or I have been rejected by God somehow. I reject the lie that I'm not as good a dad as I thought I should be. Whatever it is, I renounce it. And it's gone. The power over that thing is gone. There will always be weeds in your garden. But it's okay because the harvest will reveal it. I'll end with this. By the way, what you listen to will determine your appetite. Eve never had an appetite for that other tree until she listened to the enemy. If you're wanting to change your appetite, just have a, listen, have, a, have a look at what you're listening to. Have a look at what you're listening to. Honestly, what podcast, what music are you listening to? What, what feeds are you watching? What, what stuff's feeding your soul? You will develop an appetite for the thing that you snack on. I quit eating sugar for three years. Those days are long gone. But I found that after a month, after, I found that after a month, I couldn't stand sugar. Like just a little bit, I was like, ugh, my appetite changed. Here's the saddest part. God told him not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the serpent told them, oh yeah, God said not to eat of the knowledge of the tree and evil because he knows that if you eat of it, you'll be just like him. You know the saddest part of that story? They already were. 
They already were. Created in God's image. Male and female. He created them in His image. They were the imprint of God's very DNA and spirit meant to inhabit and take dominion over the whole earth. The garden was the laboratory where Adam was to walk with God in the cool of the day and take what was in the garden outside of the garden and bring dominion to the whole earth. He had everything that he needed. He was like God. And yet because of the subtle lie of the enemy, the crafty suggestion of the serpent, they thought, maybe I'm not who I thought I was. The devil tempted them into doing something to become something that they already were. That voice in your head, it will make you question who you are. But that's the voice of the serpent. It's not the voice of your father. So stop listening to it. It's not the weeds that will ruin the harvest. You hear me? It's not the weeds that will ruin the harvest. It's the lie that you empower. When you listen to the wrong voice, you begin to believe it, and you empower the lie in your life. When you believe a lie, you become the thing that the lie said you were. But you are a son. You are a daughter of our Father who art in heaven. And He wants to bring heaven to earth because that's His will for us. Amen? Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that you speak to us. And I thank you, God, that you do send the reign of blessing, the reign of your presence, the anointing that waters every seed. It's no respecter of persons. When your presence falls, you don't just wait for the special people to get it. I'm 6'8", so maybe the rain hits me first, but it still gets to you. I thank you, God, that this heart is good soil. Come on, just make that your prayer this morning. God, let my heart be good soil. Let my heart be good soil. And I thank you that you're bearing fruit in my life. I won't listen to the weeds. I won't spend my time trying to pull them up. I won't look with the garden of my heart as less than perfect because there's weeds in it. I know they're there. But they're not the ones that are calling the shots. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.